glorified when our lives are hard, but we get changed. And if you look at each one of us, if we were to go around the sanctuary, go to everyone online, everyone who's watching on TV, the radio, if we go to everyone and say, listen, how'd you come to know Jesus? Almost always there'll be a couple people who are in their life who walk with Jesus and they watch Jesus change them over time. And it's the transformation of their character. That is the thing that's like, there's got to be something to this Jesus thing. When many Christians think of witnessing to unbelievers, they think that they have to be Billy Graham if they're older or Greg Laurie if they're younger. But that's not the case. As Pastor Daniel will be teaching today, when you're trusting Jesus through hard times, not complaining or whining, people are watching. When you press on through the difficulties with the joy that God gives you, you have a chance to talk about God with others. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in the book of Romans chapter 5 as he continues his message, Persevering in the Midst of Suffering. Justification is the biblical word for although we were guilty before God of sinfulness, we are declared not guilty because of who Jesus is. Jesus took our punishment for our mistakes. I remember when I was in college and I was exploring things spiritually. I was very aware of my own failings, mostly because I lived in New Jersey. And if you messed up, everyone told you that was the dumbest thing they'd ever seen anyone do in their whole life. And they didn't really worry about your feelings. So I was raised with like, people were like, that was dumb. Gosh, you couldn't think of a stupider thing to do. That was the way I was raised. I'm not saying it's right. I'm saying you always knew where you stood and most of the time you stood wrong. That's what I learned, <laughs> right? So, so the, the, the idea of my own sinfulness was not challenging for me. It was just, what do we do with it? Like, what do you do with it now? And at that point, I was in my early 20s. I, already, I didn't know Jesus, so I went through my teenage years outside of Christ without any real Christian influence. So you can just imagine where I was at. But what I realized is that the reason Jesus is so important is because I carry around the debt from all of the mistakes that I have personally made. My wrong reactions and motivations, let alone my straight-up overt nonsense. And I, if I were to stand before God, the righteous and holy judge, and he would say, well, this is Fusco's life, and he started listing down just the mistakes of the last day or so, is he guilty or not guilty, man? He would be like, man, you are guilty. We're locking you up. We're throwing away the key. We're going to pretend like you didn't even exist. You're so messed up. But that's not the end of the story. Because maybe your life wasn't as crazy as mine was, but you got your own stuff. That if you were to stand before God at that moment, you'd be declared guilty. And that's exactly why Jesus came. Because God said, I'm going to hold you to your sin, but you can't pay the debt. So I'm going to give that to Jesus. And we've been justified. And it says we've been justified by faith. Faith is the hands that receive the gift that God wants to give us. The gift of salvation. Faith is us experiencing what Jesus did for us and saying, I want that applied to my own life. And it says, because we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God 
through Jesus. So our faith is in Jesus because Jesus is the sacrifice for us. Jesus is not only our example, but Jesus is our atoning sacrifice. It's why Jesus had to die. It's why in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus said, Father, if there's any other way, let this come pass from me, but not my will, yours be done. And the Father said, I would love for there to be another way, but there isn't. And only is through Jesus' death and resurrection. And that is why I believe, and I am absolutely positive that what Jesus said is true, that the church will always survive. The called out remnant of people, no matter what goes on in the world, because there will always be people who realize, one, I am a sinner, and two, Jesus died for me. It's the gospel. And because of our faith in Jesus, we have been declared not guilty because Jesus took the burden of guilt upon himself. And that's why it says, because of that, we says we have peace with God. And that's very powerful, my friends. What Jesus did on the cross is not only justify us, but he took us, although we were God's enemy, now we're at peace with God. People struggle with this today, especially in our day and age, because we live in a world that says, God will accept you because you're human. And we definitely live in a world today that says, however you are, it's okay. You do you, I'll do me. No one's allowed to tell me otherwise. But the thing is, that might be what our culture believes, but you know it really doesn't believe that because if you don't believe what they believe, then they definitely don't say you do you. You realize that, right? And our culture has such a lack of ability to reflect on its own actions, so listen, who are you to tell anybody what to do? And then God forbid you do what they don't want you to do. And then you see what happens. It's very unique. But they're like, oh, no, no, that's just the consequences of you not being like me. It's like, hold on a second. Time out. See, what we realize is that God as a holy and perfect God, our sinfulness creates a severing in the relationship. It's just the way, if you have a loved one, Maybe it's your brother, maybe it's your sister, maybe it's your folks, or maybe it's your kids, maybe it's your spouse, maybe it was your former significant other or whatever it is. If they do something that is hurtful, is there a severing in that relationship? Absolutely. If they say things that are inappropriate, they do things that are inappropriate, does that break the relationship down? Does it erode the trust in that relationship? Absolutely it does. And we have this tendency to think, I can do whatever I want and God is absolutely good with me because God made me. It's like, no, 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 ask any parent. You love your kids, you're not always good at what they're doing. And if you don't believe me, you can call my dad. <laughs> Just call him on the phone. Be like, listen, you love your son, but you agree with everything he does. No, 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 no. There's a severing in the relationship. And because of sin... Not only the cultural sin and the institutional sin, but now the sin that I commit, there is a severing. There is not peace and unity with God. There is enmity. There is a division. And because of Jesus and his death on the cross, now we have peace with God through Jesus. And what's amazing is now that we have peace with God, in verse two it tells us, through whom we also have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. Because of Jesus, we not only have peace with God, but now we have access to God. Now, my friends, this is killer. This is the best ever. Think about the ways that we want access. I mean, I realize it's Sunday. Sunday traditionally was church day. It's also football day. Now imagine if you like football, and I know some of you don't like football, and that's okay. You don't have, I'm not, it's just an example. If you like football, imagine if you went to the game and you had access to the locker room. You had access to the sidelines. 
you'd be telling everyone, man, it's so cool. I'm going to the Hawks game and I'm going to be standing on the sideline. You guys be up in the nosebleeds. I'll be there sideline, giving high fives, grabbing the football, running away, whatever you do with it. Access is an amazing thing. Imagine if you had access to whoever you think is important in the world. And the beauty is, is your Bible just told you that each one of you, because of the finished work of Jesus, you have access by grace, through faith, to the creator and sustainer of all things. Oh, it's like... And not temporary access. God has opened the door for each one of us, no matter what our background is, no matter where we've been, he has opened the door for us to know him and be known by him. He is saying, listen, I want you to live your life in my presence with access. When you need wisdom, you can ask of me. When you need help, you can ask of me. And what's amazing is the peace with God and the access to God. Then look at the end of verse two. And we can rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And we've been talking about this all through, you're going to make it, that need to hold on to hope. You can rejoice in hope, in God's glory. And for someone who's put their faith and trust in Jesus, you realize God's glory because the fact that Jesus died and rose again and that Jesus can redeem people like you and me, this is such amazing, amazing. And because of that, then it says, and not only that, but we also glory in sufferings. Huh. Now, at that point, everyone was getting all hyped up. Now, everyone's like, oh, wait, hold on a second. Because it's all exciting until it's like, but now, now Jesus can transform our suffering. This reminds me, 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12 and 13 says it this way. Again, strange Bible verses. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you, but rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. These are the crazy verses of the Bible, I call them that. I remember when I was first reading the Bible and I would read this stuff and I would just be like, okay, like I didn't have a background in it, so I wasn't trying to make it be true or not. I would just be like, man, that's a crazy concept. First he's saying, you shouldn't think it's strange when sufferings happen. That's the first thing. So you want a tool in a world full of suffering? Don't think it's strange when it happens. It's part of what it is. But then he says, he says, but rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings. Now, what he's saying is that not all the sufferings are us partaking in Christ's sufferings, but there will always be aspects of our suffering that are, in a sense, Jesus' suffering. Because at the cross, Jesus took all the punishment for all the sin of the world upon himself. So let me give you an example. You might be suffering physically, and maybe it's this physical suffering is rooted in your own mistakes. I told my kids before I came to know Jesus, I put a lot of things in my lungs that were not oxygen and air. So I said, man, if I get lung cancer, I can't blame anybody. I did that to myself in ignorance as a young man. Now, if that were to happen, that would be my fault. I can't blame anybody else. That's me. It doesn't necessarily mean that because I have lung cancer that I'm partaking in Christ's sufferings, but the fact that I'm suffering physically, Jesus suffered physically for my sinfulness as he received the lashing and the nails. See, 
In all of our sufferings, there is an aspect that now we realize that suffering is not just something that happens, it's also something that's incredibly purposeful. Now, with that being said, look at what happens. He says, this is verse three. It says, and not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. Now, my friends, as it relates to suffering, you have to always remember that suffering produces precious fruit. Suffering is not purposeless, it's purposeful. And the purpose that Jesus works through our suffering is to produce fruitfulness in our lives that will only be produced if we keep our eyes on Jesus, we have faith in Jesus, we realize God is doing a work, and we allow the Spirit of God to blossom in the garden of suffering the things that he wants to blossom. Now, I say this all the time. As I get older, it becomes more and more profound to me that as we go through things, you have two options. You can either survive it or you can try and thrive within it. And it's a cute little phrase, right? Like pastors have those phrases, you know, man, don't just survive. Man, God wants you to thrive. But it's actually really true because when you're going through a season of suffering, if you forget that one, you're partaking in the sufferings of Jesus and that Jesus can transform your sufferings because you were God's enemy, now you're at peace with God. You weren't a child of God, but now that you are and that you have access to the Father and you can have hope in the midst of it. Because of that, you can now rejoice and glory in the sufferings knowing that God is a God of redemption who can redeem the pain and he can bear precious fruit. And that's a decision that you make to trust the word of God as you're going through it. This is why we need one another. It's why God created us for spiritual community. It's why when they asked Jesus how to pray, Jesus didn't say, my father. He said, our father. Because we all need to be surrounded by that great cloud of witnesses that we talked about. We need people to speak into our lives in the suffering and say, gosh, I am so sorry that this is happening. But don't forget, as you're suffering, God wants to bear fruit in your life. And the fruit is precious to the Father. And I know we don't want to hear, and sometimes people are like, is it wrong to pray that God would alleviate the suffering? And the answer is, it's not wrong at all. If you've, ever, if you've been in a season of suffering, you've ever asked me to pray, I'll always say, Lord, will you please alleviate this completely? But while it's there, Lord, will you bear fruit that only you can bear in this situation? We want it to go away, but while it's here, let it be fruitful. Because God's desire for all of us is that our lives be fruitful. And you see this beautiful string, the way this works for us. Notice it says, we can glory in tribulations, verse three, knowing that. That word knowing in the Greek, it literally means to know by intuition. We already know in the depths of our souls because of who Jesus is, because of what God is, that suffering, tribulations produce perseverance. That when you're going through a time of suffering, steadfastness, perseverance, resilience, and grit is what is needed. I have a whole section on this in the book that we have to always remember when we're suffering that by and large, the suffering is not eternal, it's temporary. That it's a momentary and it's hard. I just had this yesterday. I, was, I, was, I hadn't been running in a little bit because you know, I, was, I was starting to get a little bit fatigued. I was running too much. 
at least in my own mind. So I decided that I was going to run yesterday, and I went out running, and sure enough, I started, and I, my next thought was, why am I doing this? Literally, this is like, if you had like the mental thing that went on in my head, I'm like, the fact that you're running right now is so illogical. And I'm listening to a podcast and the person is an ultra marathoner. Cause that's, you know, I'm like, if they can do like a hundred Ironmans in a hundred days, then I can run this 3K or whatever, you know? And they're like, if you've ever run, you are a runner. It doesn't mean you have to win in a marathon. I'm like shutting the podcast off. I'm like, I don't want to hear this. I don't want this encouragement right now. I'm not a runner, you know? But then I had the realization this is going to be over in 10 minutes. I can do this for 10 minutes. God's not asking me to run 24 hours a day, seven days a week until I croak. It's just like, just run for 15 minutes. And that simple reality changed my whole heart and mindset in that moment. I mean, I could do this for 10 more minutes. It doesn't mean I even have to keep up the pace. I can even slow down if I wanted to. It's temporary. So when you're going through suffering, first thing, one of the things you learn in suffering is perseverance. To learn how to keep doing the right things the right way, for the right reasons, with the right heart, knowing that it's not always going to be like this. You know how many times I talk to people in their marriages, for those of you who are married? Marriage is not always the easiest thing. It's a beautiful thing. There are wonderful seasons, there are challenging seasons. What I always like to remind people is that the challenging seasons don't have to be forever unless you make them be forever. It doesn't have to be this long-term, horrible experience. It might be in the moment, but it doesn't have to be forever. You have choices in this. And it's true in every area of life. Wherever the area of suffering is, we have to learn perseverance. And in a, in a comfortable culture like ours, perseverance and resilience can be hard to come by. Don't get me wrong. I like comfort too. A lot. But the thing is, is that sometimes suffering, it's not going to be there forever. So we have to use resilience. And really, the resilience that God has for us comes from his spirit. And of course, when suffering is producing perseverance, what does perseverance produce? Character. The reality of you making it is you becoming like Jesus. And when you go through times of suffering and you meet that time of suffering with resilience or perseverance, you do the right things the right way for the right reasons, the right motivations, no matter the outcome then you, be, you build character, moral excellence. You build virtue. And you begin to realize that there's something bigger in the world than just my ease. We begin to realize that God wants to change me. And God, as the good father that he is, leverages suffering so that we might become more like Jesus. And when you start seeing Christ-likeness coming out of you, then that character leads to hope. Because you're like, oh, I don't like anything that's happening, but I can't believe how I'm changing. And what's amazing is, is in order to bring fame to the name of Jesus, God does not choose to remove us from suffering, but to transform us within the suffering. Jesus is glorified when our lives are hard, but we get changed. And if you look at each one of us, if we were to go around the sanctuary, go to everyone online, everyone who's watching on TV, the radio, social, if we go to everyone and say, listen, how'd you come to know Jesus? Almost always there'll be a couple of people who are in their life who walk with Jesus and they watch Jesus change them over time. And it's the transformation of their character that is the thing that's like, there's gotta be something to this Jesus thing. Now listen to how James talks about this. 
James chapter one, verse two to four, same idea. It says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience or also translated perseverance. But let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. That word perfect, it literally means to be fully mature. So what you realize is that suffering produces perseverance or patience and that patience, that perseverance that you're learning has its perfect work and it grows you up. It matures you. So what fruit is God bearing in your life through your present temporary sufferings? Are you finding yourself more compassionate, kind, loving? Are you finding yourself even with greater peace in the midst of it? Or are you finding yourself jaded, cynical, more hard-hearted, less patient? To me, how you answer that question actually shows, okay, God, what are you asking me to do right now? Because I still want to tell you, I've been walking with Jesus for a little minute and there's been many times where through challenging things, I found myself to become more cynical, more jaded, less loving, less kind, And when that happens, I realize, I'm like, Lord, I am not trusting you in my sufferings. Lord, I'm not hoping in you. I'm forgetting that you've made peace with me through Jesus. I have access to you. I can rejoice in hope. I can count it all joy. So sometimes I get that victim, like that woe is me. That woe is me mentality. Like, I can't believe they said that about me. Why, Lord? I'm just trying to follow you. And it's true, I am just trying to follow him. But what does it matter what everyone says? But we get that way. And if you're in that place today, I simply want to encourage you, listen, God's bearing fruit in your life, but he doesn't want you to be jaded at the end. He wants you to realize that he is transforming your suffering to bear fruit. And really, I believe that that's something that God wants to do in each one of our lives. It's why the Bible says in Proverbs chapter four, verse 23, that we should keep our hearts with all diligence for out of it springs the issues of life. You have to guard your heart. See, all the issues of life don't happen in your heart. There's all sorts of things, but it's like how you interpret it, how you feel about it, what you do because of what's happening, that is self-generated. It happens to you, but then you have a say in how do I respond? That's why it's called responsibility. It's the ability to respond to something that happens to us. And I think this is so important because if you're suffering right now, you don't want to be getting jaded and hard-hearted because God wants to bear fruit. And if you're not, you want to make sure that in your times of ease, you realize that when suffering comes, that Jesus, he wants to transform my suffering. I can count it all joy when it happens. I can rejoice when it happens. I can see the glory of the partaking in the sufferings of Jesus when that happens. And God wants to bear fruit in my life. Now, look at how this all ends because remember it ended on hope. So it says this, in character hope, verse five, now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who is given to us. Jesus is real. Trying to handle suffering on your own is hard. And that's why it's such a relief to know that the power and wisdom of God are available. As Pastor Daniel's been teaching, you've got to take advantage of what God's got for your misfortunes to have meaning and to do the work that God wants done in you. It's a relief to be able to understand that there's a positive purpose to difficulties 
and that they're temporary, not permanent or eternal. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel here. I just wanna say thank you for tuning in. I'm so stoked you're a listener of Jesus's Real Radio and I know Jesus has amazing plans for you. I'd love to hear the story of how God's working in your life. Give us a call here at Jesus's Real Radio at 360-256-4655 or email me at real at danielfusco.com. We're so glad we can be a part of your life through the ministry of Jesus is Real Radio. Would you like to be a part of what we're doing? We would like to ask that you prayerfully consider becoming a financial partner of this program. Your contribution, no matter the size, will be used to reach people with the gospel message. Find out more at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Just click on Give. Thank you for partnering with us. Place a marker in your Bibles and join us next time as Pastor Daniel begins his new teaching, Winning the Battle Against Fear and Worry. He'll be diving into Matthew 6 in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount and showing you what Jesus had to say about worry. You know that worry is a good friend of suffering and can usually be found nearby when you're having difficulties. Pastor Daniel will be offering a biblical counterbalance to worry and fear. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, we invite you to join us again for the next edition of Jesus is Real Radio.